This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger's been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I will love it if we beat them. It's the history of the Tottenham. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry, I have nothing to say. Con Giovanni, yeah, incredible. Dribble, 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 dribble. Penalties? What is penalties? <laughs> Who are Man United? We will go the North London Derby, over the last 10 years, has arguably become one of Premier League's finest fixtures. There's been goals, red cards, handbags, penalties, Mike Dean and big six-point swings. This weekend's meeting certainly between the local rivals certainly lived up to the expectations. Mike Dean, I think, has given 6.3% of all Premier League penalties now. Yeah, that was Duncan Alexander, I think, uh, put that tweet yeah, up. Yeah, it's, it's a very uh, apt statistic. He gave Mike two at the, in this match. Yeah, and like... Both of them were a bit weird. They're not well, the penalties you see every day. Like, one was just a weird... Yander Tong, and what is he even thinking? Swinging at the... Uh, what was it? It was described as a line-out. Uh, if you're a rugby line-out, it was, oh, yeah. it was like the way a player would kind of reach for the ball as it was going over their head and kind of tip it with their fingers. It reminded me of uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger back in the Euros, back in 2016. He got Did it. He just, it, he didn't quite do that, but it was a similarly stupid kind of penalty to give away. Just, like you just, just don't care. <laughs> but it was yeah, a weird moment the ball was looping down the way, and yeah. that's when he decided to throw his arms in the air. It was maybe a proper it, arc to the arm swing as well. Like yeah, he went, it, was it wasn't a, just an up and down. It was a proper. Maybe he was falling over, and he was trying to like adjust his balance. Use the ball as a yeah, as a buoyancy aid. Yeah, so that was Mike Dean. My, you know, but that, was, that, that was at a, least was a penalty, whereas the yeah, Tottenham penalty was. You don't go to ground in the box. You just it was bad. Like there was two players right around him. Maybe he was going to get a shot away, but you try not to go to ground in the box. I also love the uh, just Burn Leno. You know he didn't have the best game and goals for Arsenal, but it, the penalty that you know Harry Kane he scored his penalty. The Sky had their your normal graphic up yeah. of where Harry Kane hits his penalties, and all of them go to the same place, and Burn Leno just dies the other <laughs> way entirely. It's like, well, yeah, do your homework. Did you see the story last week? Every one of them went to the same corner. Did you see the story last week with uh, Lucas Fabianski and Moshek Chesney yeah. talking about the experiences of the goalkeeping coach? Yeah. So not too surprising to see an Arsenal, Arsenal goalkeeper yeah, make that kind of mistake. They brought in a new coach, and plus he's not been at the club long, so he can't even no real excuses. <laughs> Do your homework, because he died before Kane had struck it, because he got right into the opposite he's, corner. He's going to hit it too hard, I'm going to get out of the way. And Eric Dyer, again. Yeah, he scored the first goal for Tottenham, but generally had a pretty dreadful performance. Well, I don't know if he was dreadful, I think he was part Well, he of the cost course. him the game. I don't know if he did, I think Arsenal were on the up, up at that yeah, point. Yeah, but he deflected in the third goal, and yeah. he completely well, fell over uh, for the fourth goal, yeah. which constitutes his costing well, the game. The thing with that is, they're putting... It's, they're putting pressure on an individual. There's one link in that team, which seems to be Eric Dyer, because Christian Eriksen plays a bit further up. Deli Alley, I heard, I saw a stat about Deli Alley. I think he had, he had four touches in the second he, half. He had six completed passes in the second half. Four and, of them were kickoff. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really great That's, That reminds me of actually when uh, the 6 1 with PSG in Barcelona. Yeah. I was like, Cavani completed like four passes in the last 10 minutes and they were all tip-off or something like that. Yeah, except it's kind of worse because it was the whole half in this yeah. case and Deli Alli wasn't isolated up front the way Harry Kane was. Like, I noticed that in the first half. Like, Arsenal did control the match early on. Arsenal started like a house on fire. Yeah, they, they were just, relentless. Spurs could not cope with... It wasn't even high pressure or high tempo. It was, Spurs couldn't cope with a switch of play. Arsenal kept swapping it 
left hand side the right hand side but Torreira as well just everywhere and he wasn't he wasn't just Torreira there were a few other midfield like there was good pressure there that kind of yeah I think Torreira's influence in the match was overrated because it was just because he had the kind the, of the goal capped off a nice performance though yeah he was he was there but he wasn't I've seen him better he's played better this season he played better against Liverpool I would contend that he was more involved in it, it just he just had some, some Hollywood moments like the five tackles on Deli Ali and Eric, Christian Eriksen and uh, there was a couple where he just went in very hard on Deli Ali or Christian yeah. Eriksen. He was kind of but, tasked with that. But he's the kind of player, very much. He's very much a Uruguayan type player. But he's the kind of player that you love to see in the Premier League. The kind of yeah. player that'll just chase the ball and win it, and it yeah. doesn't matter how he wins oh, it, he will just get it. Finishing the matches injured. <laughs> no, but like it was, a, it was a strange tactical change for Arsenal because they were they played last week. They played three as well. At was the it, back. At the back. Wasn't that last week? Yeah, I think it was. I vaguely remember. It, yeah, it was last week they played Bournemouth. Yes. Yeah. Was it last week they played yeah, Bournemouth? Yeah, it was. I think it was. when It was whenever they played Bournemouth. That's a, yeah. It was my, like, when Man City played Bournemouth last week. That was week. this weekend. And then my oh. and I played them like a month ago. Okay. I'm confused now. But anyway, it was three at the back of that match and it didn't really work out for us and they didn't play very well. The system wasn't kind of working and I thought, oh, this is a strange decision they've made and it kind of became an issue because Ozil wasn't in there and Lacazette wasn't fit so it's kind of okay this is the way we're gonna because we, we I talked before about how awful Aubameyang is in general play when he's up there on his own as in this was his best performance as a link player and that was only because he had both Bellerin or he had a Bellerin or a Wobie in the first half and then kind of a Ramsey pumming up Wynnum and Lacazette in the second half that players were kind of right in his zone that he could play one twos with and win balls off and kind of leech off their space. They create space and he'd move into it. But I don't understand why he went with the three at the back. But it completely works first in a while. Well, it helped because like you see, especially in the first half, that uh, Kalasinac and Bayern being pushed up so high, yeah. pinned back Aurier and was it Davis on the left. Yeah, they didn't get and out they, of the yeah, half they at were, all. They ended up having a poor game like, because of it. Yeah, like the only attack Spurs have, they did take a deserved lead. You have to say when they like they they took their two chances that they got. Song was playing well. I think he was Song, probably their best threat. <clears throat> but I think that was designed that way because you notice Eriksen was barely in the match at all, and he had a few balls over the top. I think during the whole match. That yeah, I don't years. remember him doing much. But Harry Kane is the case in point. Harry Kane, I think it was when. It was still 1-0 to Arsenal it was like 25-30 minutes gone in around that time right before Spurs got their two goals Harry Kane was playing roughly in the same zone as Granit Xhaka or not even Granit Xhaka a bit further up to him in Mkhitaryan's role is as in he was playing a defensive midfield for Spurs he wasn't defending or anything of the sort don't talk about Harry Kane's not going back defending but he's coming back to try and get into the game try and get the ball if you remember he hit one over the top at one stage from a free kick, he won a free kick and then quickly played a true ball I think, towards Son or towards someone like that, and it was called offside. But I was, I was looking at it, I was like, God, that's bad because he was in a, in he was in his own half with nobody in front of him. While Spurs had possession of the ball, they weren't getting out of their own areas at all. Like, and I think that was by design that they had Jack and they had Torreira who were just kind of dropping very deep on Kane. Kane couldn't play in between the lines. He had three in front of him, the three centre backs, and he had these two players on top of him. And Arsenal were very compact. Like Mkhitaryan didn't advance hugely, as you said. That all the attacking, all the attacking force and the vigor behind Arsenal in the first half were with Aubameyang, with Bellerin, Bilicalasanach, and Iwobi. Everyone else in the Arsenal team were playing compact defensive football. The rest of that half, they got outdone by a bad mistake. 
uh, not a bad mistake, but it was like a soft goal to concede from Eric Dyer, the header. For, you know, it was a free kick. A free kick can happen from the left-hand side. It was bad defending to let Eric Dyer get the header at that close range. And it was a bad goalkeeper. The keeper wasn't prepared for the ball to come at him. So he kind of just flapped it into the back of the net. The second goal, as we said, we discussed it. You don't go to ground in the box. Now, I think Song did did very well to win that penalty. Yeah, because was... there wasn't much contact, but he went in over in a way that looked like he's very clever. Because um, if you can visualize it, Rob holding Rob, there's Bellerin and Rob holding both around Song. It looks like Bellerin actually commits the foul originally. If you look at it, because Bellerin is closer to Song, but Holding goes to ground, and Bellerin was closer to Song. Holding goes to ground, slides through him, and kind of misses everything, and and Song sees his opportunity and dives. I wouldn't say dive, but he he falls to the ground. He certainly. falls to the ground, but in the air, in the direction he could have fallen to the ground backwards, facing you know, going with his own momentum and falling to his left hand side away from the goal. In which case, it would kind of look like he kind of lost control and fell over, which is kind of what happened. But instead, he made an effort to fall back towards. He sold it. Yeah, back towards where Holding died from, thus making it look like oh, Holding's taking him out. Penalty. You don't give Mike Dean like whenever. How does Mike Dean still get these matches? He gets <laughs> he, them every. He year. got the derby last year, definitely. Because I remember but, like, people playing and then. I would like he always gets Man United, Arsenal. He always gets Man City, like Spurs, or he always gets. Spurs are uh, see. I thought that oh, they must have just been giving Michael Oliver the Merseyside derby, and then it was some referee I'd never even seen before. Referee yeah. in that match, it was like it was Michael. I didn't get to watch Chelsea Fulham. Maybe Michael Oliver I think was Mike there. Dean has been promoted to a class because he had um, he had the old World Cup crew with him. You know the World Cup final crew that were yeah. still playing or still refereeing, still playing. <laughs> That's what they think. That's how Mike Dean certainly sees it. But they kind of move move it around. Like what's the guy with the funny name? The other referee. He was the fourth official. Uh, uh, Andrew Mariner Andrew, yeah, he Andre was, Mariner Andre, that's kind of what happens because I remember last week it was either last week or the week before there was a big match whatever the big match was a couple of weeks ago Mike Dean Manchester Jerry. and he was there piling it up with the yeah that was the match <laughs> yeah he was say. there piling it up with Mourinho and making him like oh yeah, I'm the big man fourth official number four <laughs> you know go look at my board. board yeah 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 anyone got some subs I got some subs yeah I bet you're wondering how many minutes are going to be added on we'll do it's Mike Dean time yeah yeah so I don't understand how Mike Dean gets it the second half is just Arsenal made a total substitution at half time yeah Emery's kind of he's he's made this kind of thing in Arsenal where he makes good like substitutions that completely change the, yeah. the way the game like goes. Arsenal were malfunctioning they, they finished the, the, the first half stronger they came back into it after Spurs had taken the lead like they bat, they'd from it could have gone like the, I would imagine if this was Arsenal Wenger Arsenal two, they, they would have just up, wilted two away 2-1 down yeah and then he's like they're out of ideas nothing's going to change but like it's just this kind of match makes me feel like maybe Arsenal are just destined to never be in front of half time ever again maybe <laughs> like they did dominate they had chances the Ben Davis made a great clearance off the line uh, in the first half uh, Lloris I think was called into action yeah twice. Lloris made a couple of good saves and then yet they were they were behind. Aaron Ramsey with three assists as well. And Did he get three assists? He, he, he assisted all three goals in the second half. He was he had a really impressive game. For sale. Yeah. He tried to start a fight with Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer told him to sit on the bench, which is probably, in hindsight, not the best thing he could have told Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> Especially because it was Eric Dyer. Go back and sit down. Go back and sit down. Like, Aaron Ramsey's for sale. I think he's even yeah. personal. Well, Jack Bickbrook made the or broke the story a few weeks ago now that uh, Bayern Munich are apparently the favourites to get him. It'd be a good move for him, personally. Like, 
I don't think he's done badly at Arsenal. He, I don't think he's fulfilled the potential that might have been expected of him. I think he's a good pro, but if Arsenal don't can't fit him in, and if it benefits all parties for the people to part ways, Bayern Munich would be very like you don't see enough UK based players. Like I'd love to see a lot more going abroad and broadening those horizons. We're only starting to see kind of young players going off. Now, yeah, but that's that's the first in a while. Like. It, I think it was Adam Ola Luckman scored a goal in Bundesliga last yep. year, last season. It was G- like first British player to score four goals since Owen Hargreaves. Yeah, and like, but now we're seeing Jaden Sancho starting every week. Like, apparently he's usurped Christian Pulisic to a to enough level that he wants out of Borussia Dortmund now, and he's open to Liverpool and Chelsea moves in the Christmas. Slash. Uh, and on loan from Arsenal, uh, Reese Nelson at Hoffenheim has been tearing Champ- it up as yeah, well. You know his Champions League appearances. Uh, in his league Callum Hudson Odoi is being linked with the move of the way as well. He's a uh, he's well respected at Chelsea yeah. for being uh, the best youth talent they've had in a long, long time. That's saying something with fifty something Chelsea players yeah. in their youth setup. <laughs> Still can't get a game really though. No, Although he no, scored no. midweek in against Pauk or whoever they're playing Pauk. the league. The Greek team. Yeah. Yeah, whatever they are. <laughs> Who knows? Someone but tell us how they pronounce You the... you mentioned Christian Eriksen earlier, uh, and how he played so poorly. I thought he just looked a bit depressed actually, knowing that he would have to play Ireland another two more times. He did look depressed, but isn't the thing about Christian Eriksen as well, not not to get sidetracked by your beautiful uh, segue into talk of the European Championship draw. But Christian Eriksen, doesn't he have some kind of chronic injury that they keep people keep making slight reference to, but they're never it's never concrete information. It's like, oh he's got this injury and it's bad and he's probably never gonna get rid well, like, there was similar to the way they used to talk about uh Darren Fletcher, but maybe a little less There extreme. was there was talks of uh maybe him having something not to the extent of Darren Fletcher, but something similar to yeah, Darren Fletcher. Like back during o- in o- during the October international break. Yeah. Because remember, he missed a few weeks for Spurs for no... Yeah, and he started on the bench against Inter Milan. Yeah, and you're like, important what, game. what's going on? Like, he played the full... Did he play the full match? He seemed to play a lot of the matches. He, he was invisible, but I'm pretty sure he yeah. did. Well, he, you know, he played that part when he... I, I, I can't remember a did single thing he did. Did he take the free kick for the goal, or was that song? He might have taken the free kick, I, I can't remember. I don't know, but maybe he did. But yeah, he's, right he, he's got to play. Maybe he's left-footed player. Now got I'm to, confused again. I think he is right-footed, but he's got to because I remember him curling it in against Ireland with the right foot. All no, right. I know he's a right-footed player, but I was just wondering was it a left-footed player? Or no, right-footed, right-footed player to take the free kick. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's got to play Ireland again. The draw took place in Dublin. Uh, yeah, yeah. On Sunday, my colleagues of mine met Yogi Lowe on a plane from Frankfurt. Oh, nice. You know, that was interesting. Apparently, a great time with Irish people. I hope they didn't shake his hand. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Like people kept it, uh, high fives, is what I heard. And he was well game for it, in fairness. He seemed to be on his own as well. You'd think he'd have Weird. a whole entourage with him. But uh, he came over in a standard plane from Frankfurt, uh, whatever it was, uh, Lufthansa, I presume. The World Cup winner hasn't gotten to his head, so... No, and, you know, passport control, having the, the chats with him, and he's just like, <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. And his distinctive haircut, apparently, is, like, very distinctive in real life. Yeah, I could I could imagine that one. Yeah. But uh, we were almost no thrown in... We were almost thrown in with them in the Netherlands, but we—I thought we were. Until yeah, because you texted me. I hadn't seen the draw. I'd missed it, and then you texted me saying, "Oh, we're not getting out of the Euros," and I was or yeah. getting to the Euros. I was like the draw wasn't well, that apparently bad. Apparently, I got that all wrong because even if the way the way it's set up, apparently due to the way the hosting situation is, yes, that's for twenty twenty, Ireland were originally drawn with the Netherlands and Germany. The nightmare scenario. The nightmare scenario. Don't worry, we got Northern Ireland got that instead. Yeah, we used to that to Northern Ireland. That was Ireland. the best part. <laughs> I don't understand why that like that's like that's two misfortunes. That's got to be some kind of 
because I know alphabetically they're not there, but most of the words are the same. <laughs> the um, same island. Same island. So uh, geographically, it's un- unlikely that both teams were drawn, but there they were, one after another. But Ireland got put into Denmark and Switzerland. Switzerland. It's, it's it's to recently be Belgium five two. Yeah. See, yeah. the thing of Switzerland but is lost England, so you know. Yeah, but that was a friendly. Uh, but the and thing the last was World Cup qualifying campaign, I think. Uh, well, they have to play Switzerland. Uh, they have to play England. They meet again in the. Oh no! They don't meet again in the nation. The Nations League playoff final. Oh, I said to play. They play the anyway, Netherlands. Anyway, what happens now because of the the mishap with being host nations? That the Netherlands is a host nation, and so is Germany. So is Germany. So is Ireland. That for some reason you can only have, have two. Which I don't. It makes no sense. It didn't. No one understood. It, Robbie Keane, least of all, poor Robbie Keane. It's to make sure that no host nation definitely can't miss out. Robbie Keane got to give. Uh, Press conference there. He asked no, he a couple got of to, questions. Well, because he was helping with the draw as the only Irish legend that's allowed to be on a, a stage because Roy Keane wouldn't be allowed. Uh, and well, Jason McAteer maybe, just because he's <laughs> Jay, big J. Um, but he got to uh, <laughs> the original. You know, they usually they say, "Oh, look, your team has been drawn," and you know, in the FIFA, the historic FIFA way, or UEFA in this case, they go, "Oh yes, it'll be a very, uh, very good." game instead Robbie Keane went to full cliche mode and went oh yes there's been a lot of interesting matches over the years but at the end of the day uh, every game is difficult yeah every game is difficult sorry to come here we just want the three points <laughs> you know get through it's, it's a cup through. game Robbie yeah let's get through to the next he went full cliche mode didn't know how to like he did it smoothly but it was he tried to get as many cliches maybe he was trying to get as many cliches yeah maybe that was the but apparently Ireland can lose all of the matches in these qualifying <laughs> yeah because it's because of the Nations League because we're still in Group D yeah. or B technically that it means there a bunch of teams above us will likely qualify yeah. just through the fact that they're all the good teams. So Ireland will get to play off if they lose every match in this group. Most likely. And North Ireland won't even if they beat like, the Netherlands and finish third or fourth. Uh, but it's, it's only a five-team group but the problem I have with it is just that it's incredibly boring because we... Like it's been a while since we played Switzerland, but like Mick McCarthy's final game is against Switzerland yeah, in his first think, inning. I don't think that's going to affect it. But like I'm just saying, that's how recently we played them. Yeah. We obviously we played Denmark four times in the last year and a half. Yeah. Not even. Not a year. Yeah. yeah last year, uh, we played Georgia so many times. Uh, it just feels like we're destined to always. <laughs> we're always going to play Georgia. Back again. And uh, we even drew Gibraltar. Twice, I want to say. Gibraltar are scoring goals now. Yeah, they will have. They won more competitive games this year than we did. So, yeah. you know, we we could lose to Gibraltar and qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's what really matters. We, can we draw Stony again? Is that can we? Well, it's, I'm sure it's possible. So anything is possible <laughs> on this one. That's the only way we'll go off over the Euros. Yeah, it seems to have gone well from the end. After I saw it originally, and I just saw the immediate draw, and I was just like, oh no! <laughs> and I just like looked at it, Germany, Netherlands. I was like, they brought Mick McCarthy back for nothing. Yeah, but as it turns out. They're probably going to get through Euros, beat Hungary or someone in the semi-final, or draw to them, or lose to Hungary in the semi-final at Wembley after, you know... All oh, why, why are Hungary getting there? Because anyone can get there. Hungary should have won the Euros last time round, because they were in the same group as Portugal, and they, behave, they play better in Portugal, and if it wasn't for the quirk of the draw system, Hungary would have been... <laughs> but it was Hungary lost, like, 4-0 to Belgium. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. That's, that's how the tournament works. They lost a game in the knockout rounds, and they were out. Hungary aren't owed anything. That's that's the moral that's of this harsh. podcast. Hungary. What about the fifty-five years of seven years? <laughs> no, they're owed nothing. Years, nothing. Uh, but uh, speaking of people who are owed nothing, Mark Hughes has been sacked. 
Yeah, Mark Hughes, like, I was watching the match on Saturday, the, and it was 2 0 after what? Trying, 20, to, get, trying to get 20 a nap minutes, in, were you? 2 0 up. Uh, 20 minutes, yeah, roughly. About 20 minutes. Cedric with a free kick and Obafemi. Yeah, it was good. Know, it was good. Know, Two goals. goal for yeah Man United are awful they were they're truly bad like uh, we'll get into Mourinho's comments in a minute but yeah United are awful but then count on Southampton to like throw away two goal lead when United aren't creating anything of the sort can barely get out of their own half uh, Southampton are outplaying them like they keep winning the ball and passing but they around threw them. away two goal lead and now a two goal draw is no longer good enough against Manchester United is no longer good enough well, to save I, I thought that he was going to be sacked and I think the I could imagine the people in the, uh, the the boardroom at Southampton are up in the director's box, like just grabbing their their collars and. Going, <laughs> oh no, we're winning! Because, yeah, I think they were going to sack him regardless. Some come Monday, maybe they would have sacked him on Saturday evening <laughs> had they lost badly. He bought himself literally two days. Yeah, but I think the plan was to sack him regardless. The Paulo Souza. Well, I saw Hazen Huttle, or I, I've only ever read his name. I've never heard it pronounced, but he was the former Schalke manager. I yeah. want to say. He's uh, the one most linked with the job at the moment. Oh, okay. Uh, but pa- Paolo Sosa was linked with it last Big week. Sam. Uh, Big Sam hasn't I, been to the South I, I haven't heard Big Sam linked with it at all. David Moyes is the only of the, the classic David British Moyes, contingent. David Moyes would keep them up. Yeah, he probably would. You know, he did a good job at West Ham. Ha- you'd have another kind of... It'd just be delayed. You'd have another Mark Hughes situation come next year. Yeah, exactly. Where they just kind of falter and they would have signed a load of expensive flops. Pretty well. yeah, who, who are the Everton legends he'd bring in? He'd like in fairness, Mark Hughes, Stephen P and I still around. Yeah, he can still come. Yeah, Tony Hibbert, <laughs> Leon Osmond. Yeah, he's still there. Wayne Rooney could bring back Wayne Rooney. Yeah, that'd be great. Like, Wayne, would he would he be willing to go to the South Coast? I'm sure he would. He's gone to Washington. Yeah, that was a big step yeah, for yeah. Big Rooney. Although you know, well, they used to have Concord, but not anymore. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mourinho, well, Mark Hughes is gone. They've been woeful. Somehow, it, it was a matter of time. The they're like, I think they're in the relegation zone. Yeah, they're just Cardiff above are it. out of the relegation zone now. So if Cardiff so, are ahead is that of two? You. No, it's not quite two wins. It's just two defeats for Wolves. Wolves are really heating up the relegation yeah, race by say, losing to Huddersfield and I, Cardiff. Yeah, I was going to say that to you. It's like, oh, you know, I, before the Mark, you know, when Mark Hughes hadn't been sacked by the weekend, I was like, because I had to check to make sure he hadn't been sacked before thinking it. That oh, this uh, Nuno Espirio Sante. Yeah, the thing is, I've heard suggestions that he's been found out by lower league teams. Uh, I think it was Brighton were suggested as the team to have kind of laid down the template for beating Wolves and everyone's just followed that since. I haven't actually watched much of Wolves lately. Well, like, they seem to be a very one-dimensional side. Not that that's it's, one It seems like they're, they're almost suited to playing bigger teams more than they are. Yeah, they're, they're a complete counter-attacking side. So yeah. they just sit back, absorb the pressure, and welcome teams on, and then they... You know, whoever, your man Traore. Yeah, off the bench. <laughs> just have him run or have Doherty run up the wing or have somebody break. Doherty's up. got two goals this season. Exactly, but they have someone break up the wing. They don't really focus through the centre that much. It's always up the wing where people are kind of caught more off the, you know, they're on the back foot immediately from from the get-go and then they hope for a kind of counter-attack goal and they play for set pieces to a very, you know, traditional and conservative side for such a... For such a multicultural squad and team filled with... It's got uh, Jean Moutinho in it. Yeah, you know, and they, they've got the, the Portuguese flair in, in the backroom staff and apparently they're they're very progressive. But I noticed it was like, well, maybe Nuno is... Like, I don't think Wolves are going to be quick to sack 
with their ownership. Rating. Yeah, I'd be and, surprised if he went anytime soon. Yeah, and you know, but and because they've shown that they can win, and it's not like if this was from the start of the season. I'd say this is just a blip, and he'll figure things out. I'm not sure if it's. I see. I don't think I don't rate him as highly as other people do. It's not I that don't I, it's rate not the squad. It's either. not that I rate him highly. I just think that there's a, enough kind of fodder below him that he should be yeah, able to pick up you, a few wins you'd think that maybe it's going to be there the new Watford where they're kind of like they stumbled to safety and finished 11th or 12th or yeah. 13th without pulling up any trees and they're all on holidays become March the thing with Watford is I noticed like they've signed huge players there's good solid players and like you said Joao Moutinho and it's just a bizarre signing for Wolves but there's big gaps in that team which have not been filled like they do not have an adequate goal scorer I don't think they don't yeah that's have, been a huge criticism I think their defence is still a bit suspect I do not know about Rui Patricio yet as in he's a good goalkeeper yeah he's a sh- yeah but in the tradition in the, in the what's the word in the in the old fashioned the old no but in the um, stereotypical shot stopper yeah you know that's what he's done oh, he gets up and he Simon saves Mignolet, a lot of shot. he's very he's very agile and like this yeah but then you see teams putting him under pressure in crosses, which then means that the whole back line shifts a couple of metres back. So they're right on top of him. So the other team then has greater space to play with the ball outside the box. And when you're playing as deep as they are, you have to create a bit of space between the lines so that you know, you're know you not playing right on top of your own goal. Because that's where chances are coming from, especially against these lower league sides who are... Well, they're, they're, they're taking advantage the other day. But like, okay, Wolves, we're not going to attack either. So you come attack on us. And then they pick them off with these kind of the gaps that are left in the team then because they don't have a... I don't think they have an adequate defence and they certainly don't have an adequate attack. And then uh, the the last of the derbies, uh, Jurgen Klopp has been charged with misconduct for his celebration. Was he against, charged with misconduct? He was charged with misconduct because he ran off his bitch, I suppose. That's, I know, but it was glorious. It, it was fun. You don't get it. it was... like, if it happened every week, if it was Neil Warnock, you wouldn't be getting the same kind of sympathy. But by virtue that it's Jurgen Klopp, that it's one of the most ridiculous goals. There was a ridiculous goal last season, wasn't there? Not in the Merseyside, but there was like a stupid goal. We won't see that one again. What was it? Come I, back I, with I, us I, with that. Yeah. There was an absolutely stupid goal. Look up the stupidest goal of 2017, 2018. Because I vaguely remember us talking I, about I, it. I can't remember now. But this is up there again. Another, like, this is one of those goals. Did Maybe it, it was it an hit, own goal or something. Did it hit the... No, Javakari did score, but did it no, bounce off the... No, I was thinking about last season. But did it hit the crossbar twice? Did yeah, it actually it bounce of, it on? Kind of, well, it kind of skid, skidded along. And then it just fell for Devokarig. He just yeah, poached he it in. In fairness, you have to buy a ticket to win the raffle. And Devokarig had no real issue, no, no real reason to be where he was. He was right on top of the goal. Like, it was Virgil van Dijk hit this absolutely terrible shot that even Virgil van Dijk is like turning away in yeah. disgust. And then he's like, oh, no. And then all of a sudden... Dvokarii is just poaching it in in the 96th minute. Like, only four minutes were added on. Yeah, but then there was... But that, I'm happy with the two minutes, not because... like it, Well, everything made changes and stuff. No, but it's... Like, too many... Too often you see matches just... You, you either end it at 90 minutes if you're going to be like that, if you're going to just play right to the... Okay, there's 90 minutes being played, let's just blow this off. I don't care about the time wasting. Because in every other match I watched this weekend, in every league, if you went to Italy, it was the same. Players are just kind of like, oh, let's take thirty-five seconds taking this goal kick, or let's take a, let's take twenty seconds taking a throw in, let's take fifty seconds taking a, cor- a short corner routine, and then get another corner, and then take another fifty seconds. It's all time wasting. It should be knocked off. I, especially Mike Dean. There was a player who went down. 
there's a player went down in the in the North London Derby. I forget who it was, and the player ended up being okay. But the player went down, and they were down for like a minute, say. I think it was in the first half. It's why why there was three minutes added on at the end of the first half. And the player was down, whoever it was. And Mike Dean was like, oh, I better go over to him. And it was only then Mike Dean adjusted his watch. And I'd say the ball had been, you know, they're all like, oh, should we put the ball out? Should we stop play? Blah, blah, blah. For 20, 30 seconds. And then Mike Dean walked over to it. And I was like, like, I know I'm picking on Mike Dean here, which isn't a hard thing to do. But that's not the game. That's not 90 minutes of football. That is something else. That's well, oh, like, we're, just, we're chalking 10 seconds here, 10 seconds. Those 10 seconds, there's only six... 10 second spells in a minute and all, every minute counts as can be seen by that Liverpool goal well like this uh, the people that actually keep track of how many minutes the ball is actually in play it is generally like you're doing well if you get 60 minutes yeah so. which is like maybe they should um, going back to Marco Van Basten maybe we should see I, I just completely disagree with you but that is a, a conversation for another day yeah. I think because we could talk for 20 minutes on that as well Marco Van Basten uh, but then the final thing in the news is it was announced earlier this Do you was hang earlier on, hang today on, hang on Divock Origi scored a goal. He's still at Liverpool. Uh, yeah, I didn't realise he was well, still at Liverpool either. I checked it again this season. Did they not get rid of him? And like, apparently they couldn't get rid of him. I no remember he was, vo- him. he was voting the, the worst starting eleven of Lille yeah, for the season he was well. at Lille. He did, well he did then do then well. That, but yeah. then he dropped off the face of the earth again. I don't know why he was on the field. <laughs> why was he on the, the field? The camera panned to this, like a sub coming on at one point. I was like looking at it for 30 seconds trying to figure out who, who it was because his hair was a little different. <laughs> yeah. And then the commentator was like, oh, Devocary coming out. I just, a uh, euphoric moment of joy where I was like, oh my God. I, and he got the goal. Name. Most likely will be the last ever goal for Liverpool because I doubt he'll get Well, that's, that's a good way to go out, I suppose. Yeah, we're leading the Merseyside Derby to a completely howler of a goalkeeping error. Are you also aware that Jordan Pickford as English goalkeeper did not get a huge amount of slack? Maybe at the exact moment it happened. But thereafter, if that had been Simon Mignolet, if that had been... Uh, the young fella Kepa at Chelsea if that had been name a goalkeeper even Alisson yeah oh if it had been Alisson you would have heard these these Brazilian goalkeepers coming over here well they think they can play they may be footballers but they can't use their hands and then for no apparent reason like what was it like a very similar shot went in in the North London Derby not to bring it back again to that but it was a corner kick I think Mustafi hit a looping header going to the kind of maybe crossbar maybe it was going to go in and Maurice launched himself at it and pushed it over the bar. I was like, huh, that's what a goal he's meant to do. Because that could have gone in. Jordan Pickford is a short, although he's like six foot tall, he is short. He's Joe Hart short. Yeah, he just just doesn't, he seems smaller maybe than he is. Not Joe Hart, I don't even want to start at Joe Hart. But, like, and then silence, because maybe because it's England International, can't be criticised in International. Jordan Henderson, where was Jordan Henderson on Saturday? Suspended. Exactly. Didn't hear much about that, did we? I heard the commentators mention it once. Yeah. Pre-games, explaining why he was absent from the starting eleven. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's just, we didn't hear it as much. That's, as, that's uh, you're just gonna get that. Bournemouth playing, and oh, you know, it was only six years ago when Bournemouth were the ninety-first in oh, the league. Oh, and now and look at them here losing to Man City. <laughs> <laughs> but just to close up the news, it was, na- it was announced earlier today that VAR will be fast tracked into the Champions League knockout stages. They always use the word fast tracked for these kind of things because apparently they needed expert training to do, you know, look at video replays, things that have been done for as long as I've been alive. And most, like they had, they had reverse action replays in the eighties World Cups. You know, they had it on match of the day. 
But they have the to FA know. Cup, but way back in the seventies, they have to know when to let the, when to check it, when to just trust the video assistant. You know, they gotta. It's new. Right. It's a whole like, new. They haven't had these years of watching replays. You know, they've yeah. been on the pitch. Well, like, I don't want to get too technical on it, but I'm pretty sure, like, not that we could apply the FIFA rules, as in FIFA EA Sports FIFA rules, to uh, football matches. But I'm pretty sure Google or Amazon or someone like that could probably knock up a pretty good algorithm pretty soon. You put the rules in, you give them enough test but footage, the, which there is enough test footage. But the for them rules to are so train on. rules are so finicky and so no, unclear. It's, no, but no, they're not. No, but they are. No, they're what, not. What's a handball? So, what constitutes a handball? You put it in the, whatever it says in the. the yeah, rule book. but it's not clear in the rule book. If, it's very much up to interpretation. How does uh, an AI interpret? How, at how that you, point, you bring the human in. Yeah, but why not just you're bringing in a middleman here? Well, what I'm saying needless. is maybe we should just take the referees, take the Mike Deans out of the referee, out of the. But we need because Harry Kane played a ball against Mike Dean. I think at one point during the match, just Mike Dean get another Mike Dean shout in there. Uh, this is the Mighty. We we're no longer called the Total Football Podcast. We are now the we are now the Total Mike Dean Podcast. But like I, th- I think they could they could do it, and I think it would be a it would be an interesting experiment. No, I I would again completely disagree with that. Why? Because the computer takes out. Why not? Why not replace the players so with AI? There, there yeah, there have you an go. Idea. <laughs> there you I go. Have an idea. <laughs> I've got a more interesting rule set here than Mega Man Bastard. Perhaps. By Kinsler, Quinn heads on. Oh, surely this time for Keane! And Ireland do it! Robbie Keane! The summer is often a time clubs use to change, to seek out alternatives, or to start fresh. Last summer, four clubs chose such a path Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, and West Ham. Out with the old and in with the new. We are now a third of the way through the season, and the frantic festive period is fast approaching, so no time like the present to review how the new men in charge have gotten on in their first few months on the job. There's been a lot of, um, how would you say it, bigging up of every manager that's been appointed. Especially Emery now, since uh, they beat Tottenham. Yeah, but it was like, the, I don't I don't think he's done an exceptionally amazing job, but then I don't think Sarri's done an exceptionally ma- amazing job. I don't think uh, Marco Silva's done an exceptionally amazing job. And who was the other? Uh, Pellegrini. Pellegrini. <laughs> We don't even... I forgot about Pellegrini. West Ham are so... Let's just start with West Ham, because West Ham are such a weird team. Well, like, the, the, the news, oh, Pellegrini's going to bring real steel and also go real Samir Nasri. Well, we're not going to Samir Nasri. Well, maybe they needed Samir Nasri, because they had nothing else, so at least they signed something, and he's worked with them before to... They won the league together, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, the Pellegrini at West Ham, it kind of suited both parties. Pellegrini's a name. It's in London. It's well-paid. It, they are probably not in danger of going down because of the amount of money they have. They're probably last of the teams that I would say are safe. Yeah, that well, are yeah, clearly yeah. safe. Like them and Newcastle will probably be neck and neck in terms of that. Yeah, I think there's like two or three points between them. Yeah. Much. Well, like, be, West Ham we, we won talked the about weekend. It, yeah, we talked yeah, exactly. against them. We talked about and comfortably enough as well. But we talked about earlier in the season that West Ham were just nonsense. They weren't playing well. They had no defined style of football. They hadn't signed a striker, which is what they needed for the last few years. Even not even like it's very difficult to sign a striker, and especially in this market. But you know, someone to bring in attacking play closer to the goal, like Olivier Giroud would have been. Who they were linked with previously, like maybe last season before he went to Chelsea. Yeah. But he would have been ideal to bring in. Like keep Marco Arnautovic in the side, but don't blame as a lone striker. Keep Drew there. I, I kind of like Arnautovic in there with him. I kind of like Arnautovic as the lone striker as an idea, but he's just but not consistent you, enough. Then to you have it. your man um, 
Philippe the, Anderson. No, but the other guy, the uh, the right back slash striker, completely blanked. Antonio. Yeah, Miguel Antonio. Like he's still like but occasionally he, playing up front for West Ham. He's completely fallen off a cliff as well. It, like he well, was at his, he was at his best this season. Dimitri Payet was there. Slavin Bilic was getting the best out of the team. That those two years, I suppose, were his they best. They still weren't that great though. So they didn't finish very strongly. Those well, years. they finished sixth that first year, the, the final year at the bowling ground. Yeah, that that was probably Mikel Antonio's peak. Uh, and think, like they do, they, they, have, they thought they could do better. They they have <laughs> suffered injuries as well. Like Yarmolenko's out for a while. Manuel Lanzini, of course. Who thought Jack Wilshere would get in? Yeah, he's back in the side now. He's back on the bench. Yeah, um, <laughs> where he's the one well, like sitting. Manuel Lanzini was their best performer last year. Yarmolenko's been a very good performer yeah. for them this year, and they're but, both out. Like Jared Randolph was one of the best performers last year, and they sold him. Well, he was inconsistent as well. Like he he was a bit like Rui Patricio. We mentioned earlier, just. Yeah. He, you know, good at shot stopping, but not much else. So they, well, know. he was liable for a mistake or two. He was better than Joe Hart, who they did bring in to replace him. Yeah. So and then who else is the other? But they who's have Fab- they Fabianski. Yeah, now, Fabianski who's now, a good who, signing. Yeah, and he's been much better since leaving Arsenal. He was one of he was Swansea's best player last year. I think that's undoubted. Yeah, him and Alfie Mall. And he still faced a lot of shots this year, and probably kept West Ham ticking over in a lot of matches where they could have gone down. But they still have the whole defensive issues where they've not replaced their centre backs. Their full backs, as we just discussed there, are spent, would be fair enough. Yeah, Declan Rice has kind of offered a lot of protection for a weak defence there. Yeah, and Declan Rice, you can't be relying on a. He's not going to last the whole season. No, he's 19. You know, you're asking a lot of him. Yeah, and he played a lot of last season as well and kind of. He, he didn't fall off a cliff last season, but he kind of like would fell out of the team a bit, and now yeah, like I remember him scoring that own goal at the Emirates, and that was that kind of summed up the end of his season last yeah, year. Yeah, it kind of just it filtered out to nothing. But then this season, Pellegrini's already attacked him, uh, and this guy who doesn't really attack players while letting others off the off the you know not attacking them. I I don't know Pellegrini. I don't expect him to be sacked. Of all the managers, he's probably the safest going into the like I don't think West Ham I think every other manager can be got rid of if they had a bad season or any, every one of the new managers but I think Pellegrini is probably the safest I think if he leaves it'll be of his own volition because West Ham are not going to do any better than him yeah probably not like it was a bit of a coup at the time when it was announced it was like oh wow they actually got Manuel Pellegrini yeah because like look before that they've had they had big or they, they had, they've had Big Sam they've had David, David Moyes. Moyes like David Moyes both managers did alright jobs like, but Slavin Bilic only really joined the club because of the promise of it becoming a greater bigger club which it still can when they moved to the Olympic Stadium and you know because he had the history with the club from playing there but I don't like they're going to start struggling to attract this grade A talent if Premier League money ever does diminish and if they cannot try to get anything because there seems to be the more that years go on there seems to be like structural problems developing at West Ham is under Big Sam you had oh they're playing dour football and it's depressing and it's not nice and they're being very functional and look Carlton Cole's back and you know all that type of you know dreariness Andy Carroll Andy Carroll who's still there he's just been injured a lot yeah he's just always injured but now you're looking at it's like well there's a lot of players there left over from the Big Sam days and they're some of the better performers in the side the rest of them just aren't really up to scratch they still have not resolved the goal scoring issue I do rate uh, Chikorito Javier Hernandez he I do rate him he did him. score at he the did. weekend and like he gets criticised just... for never scoring but he is a poacher like you have to almost give him the ball and then he'll do his bit but like 
him alongside Arnautovic does not work. I don't think really as a long term that, that that is pretty much the main criticism because like Arnautovic is the better of the two, so you have yeah, to Yeah, but they're very different types of players. It's like, well, if you played well, they were bought in between two different eras at yeah. time. Like, it's, there's clearly no plan or vision. If they had Dimitar the Berbatov, like I think they should get Berbatov in there with Chikorito and see what happens. I think, and then have an artist hang out wide. The league-winning partnership of like 2010 or yeah. something like that. Bring them back is what I said. But yeah, they need someone else to kind of freshen up that attack. Like the the midfield, I'm not really sure what Pellegrini's plan to do. I think he's kind of at the moment in this whole season is it's not a, it's a cliche, but a a transitional season like he's still got Mark Noble he's still playing him every week I don't think Mark Noble's uh, he scored a really good goal against Leicester at one point this he season d- he did but he's not Pellegrini's cup of tea he's not his desired type of midfielder you're not going to be able to uh, kick him out any easily no you're not but I think he could phase him out the side like I actually fully expect if Sammy Renazzi works out I expect him to kind of convert him to more of a centre midfield role Yeah, and he would be more of that alongside someone like Declan Rice because that's how Pellegrini likes to play he likes to play that solid base midfield that's how he got the best out of Yaya Torre he had one player stay and one player advance and they'd inter they'd inter like, they'd intermix that combination like he tried to play a 4-4-2 earlier in the season but it just so happened that the two in midfield were Mark Noble and Jack Wilshere yeah, who it could work in some cases no, if that's, they had that's the ball for 90 minutes yeah it's kind of you need a lot of running to be yeah, happy from very other easy on the for team. those two players to get over on yeah but like yeah as you say it's kind of a transitional season if they're just that kind of team that you know they win one week they don't win the other they win that week they lose yeah. a couple they, it's like Ipswich yeah they're completely inconsistent yeah. they, you never know what West Ham will turn up but then every, generally the bad West Ham generally uh, but they've got a couple of good results so far no season. and the, but and the couple of good results they've got you, you don't want to say are completely down to Pellegrini but say the Chelsea match where if they did have a centre forward... Yeah, if Yarmolenko had even taken that one chance they had. Yeah, they would have won that match because he, he Pellegrini as a tactician, as a manager, saw, okay, Jorginho's the key player. I don't need to shut him down. I need to shut the players around Jorginho down. Voila, Chelsea couldn't do anything. And it's the template every team have used against Chelsea since. Uh, well then Everton they were very unfortunate the weekend to lose to Liverpool again yeah. they probably, they the, a draw probably would have been a fair Yari result Yari missed a sitter of a header uh, Alisson uh, made an amazing save and then Joe, Joe Gomez, Gomez it kicking off. it off the line yeah big tall Joe Gomez just about stretching to it to, to knock it off the line like Everton poor finishing Everton are still constricted by well they're constricted by the fact that they're the, the little cousin in the Merseyside you know duet they they struggle from being in that shadow of Liverpool, especially when Liverpool do well. Sometimes they break out of it, like they do. There was a fair few years there for where they were finishing better than Liverpool in the league or right up where Liverpool were in the league. Like Martinez almost had them in the Champions League, if, unless we forget when Liverpool were languishing in what seventh. Yeah, about that. Like that that was you know not the zenit of recent Everton form, but Everton have done very well this season without lighting the house on fire. Like I saw them a couple of times and I was like, oh, this is this is boring football. Not even like, you know, we've seen Marco Silva before at Watford and at Hull, and they they didn't play exciting football by any stretch of the imagination. They played very functional because the, the players they had, but whew, they were not very creative. I just yeah, I, I struggle to see where they score goals consistently from because Richarlison is the one playing up front at the yeah. moment. But you can't rely on Richarlison. Well, to he's get not a twenty goals a season. Yeah, he's not that type of player. He never was. He exactly like you never thought he was going to be like that. But even when he played for Watford, but. He scored goals. Everton have had this problem for years. Though. They cannot... They haven't replaced Fellaini. 
Well, not Fellini. Fellini was a stopgap that kind of worked for them for some bizarre reason because he's so lang like language. Languid is not the word. Lanky. Yeah, lanky. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like getting people's faces and annoy people. He's very such a strange player. Still is Fellini. Such a weird, weird player. But they they struggle with kind of getting a centre forward going. Andy Johnson is the last one I really remember. Roughly, Lukaku, yeah. Lukaku, obviously. I completely forgot about yeah, Lukaku. Yeah, Lukaku, yeah. They haven't replaced Lukaku. But the problem is... And they're still playing like they have a Lukaku. But the problem is, when they had Lukaku, it almost felt like their midfield had disappeared. Mm. So they solved one problem, but also created another one somewhere else but on I, the I still don't think they have a midfield. Like the Gareth Barry... Who else was playing with Gareth Barry in midfield? I've completely forgotten. Uh, who was playing with Gareth Barry? Did they still have Tony Hibbert at that point? No. <laughs> so, Tony Hibbert wouldn't play midfield anyway. But yeah, the the it, I don't I don't get Everton. And I don't get the... Like I said with the other managers we mentioned earlier, I don't get the praise they've gotten this season. I think they've... I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that Big Sam was just terrible yeah, with them last so year. Bad. Like they... They were 19th in chances created and 20th in shots on target yeah. or something like that. And I, I honestly, and I, I said this before, I do not think Coleman, I think Coleman would have done miles better than Big Sam if he had been allowed to keep in the job. Because I think Silva has had some, like the Man United match earlier in the season. Awful. <laughs> but did, did you see what happened with uh, Richard Keyes and Andy Gray? No, what Our two favourite people, our two favourite pundits. Uh, we were talking about the Merseyside Derby yesterday and they were saying oh Big Sam Big Sam got a draw at Anfield last year have, have Everton regressed I was like come on lads that's just they, those they immigrants look... coming over here doing yeah. their jobs while wearing Qatar <laughs> exactly yeah. uh, so Everton have definitely improved on last year but they still feel like that team yeah but it's it's, it's that like just... they've gone back it's like you can't get any lower than how, where Big Sam had them no, in terms of mentality they've just of... kind of They've not regressed back because obviously they can't. Like they've improved, but yeah. they haven't gotten much better either. Like they just are that team. They signed a lot of players, but as they're well. just that team that will finish seventh, maybe sixth, yeah. if one of the top six, like my United at the moment no, are I, doing. I, I, will I expect them wilt. to be with Leicester? With I think Leicester. You think Bournemouth? I think they'll be at that you know precipice of seventh place. Well, they're currently ten sixth. points behind. I know Man United look awful right now, and I don't. I think they could well finish outside it, but it's just given the law, of, given the balance of probabilities and history, you'd feel that because United have a team that costs however many close to a billion pounds to assemble and maintain. Yeah, but if the players aren't even trying, then there's no point well, in saying, "Oh, well, they'll pick up a few wins here and there." Well, that's what they've been doing thus far. Like they shouldn't have drawn against Southampton; they drew against them. <laughs> they shouldn't have beaten Newcastle; they beat Newcastle. They shouldn't have beaten Juventus, beaten Juventus, shouldn't have beaten Young Boys, beat Young Boys. Shouldn't have drawn with Chelsea. Yeah, you know, these things happen. But then the two bigger teams of this, Chelsea and Arsenal. We talked a lot about Chelsea last week. We've talked a bit about Arsenal throughout the season so far, but I think like Who's some better? Yeah, it, it is hard to really tell because like, I, I get well, more... Well, Chelsea are way in the, ahead in the league. Well, they're not that far ahead. They're four or five points ahead, I think, at most. Yeah. But I I enjoy... They keep winning. I enjoy watching Arsenal more as a neutral than I would Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, which might have been different at the beginning of the season because Chelsea were playing this high-flying, attacking wing play. But when you consider as well... stopped entirely. Like, now. obviously, Maurizio Sarri isn't going to walk into Chelsea and completely turn them into what his Napoli side were. But yeah. when you consider how... 
entertaining as Napoli yeah. side were it is a little underwhelming I don't know if that football transfers to England at all yeah and that's that That was the risk Chelsea kind of took bringing yeah. him into England Be- because Italy like we, we only have to look at the Champions League like if you watch Serie A week in week out you watch teams like Inter like Roma like Inter and Roma played this weekend and if you it was a, what's his name not Inler is it in, Inner the Roma player who scored the most ridiculous not the most ridiculous goal. Under yeah, under. What do I call him? The Turkish fella. Yeah, under. So he gets the ball. It's passed around, like passed around the midfield by Roma. No pressure on the ball. Pass it into the well into the inter half. Still no pressure on the ball. There's a bank of four in front from the goalkeeper, and he just kind of has an outside of the foot shot, and it goes in because no one was closing him down. Like you can, that wouldn't happen in the Premier League, even between two of the best sides at which Inter and Roma are even two of the best sides in the Premier League, would not allow that space. If there were, it would be Man United. But if it wasn't Man United, you would not have that space at all. And this is where Sarri is coming from, where you have that extra time. You have the ability for slower players to just, okay, I'm actually going to show up my better, better skin now because I don't have to move really quickly. I don't have to run. I don't have to be re- really reactive to what's around me. It's not saying that the Premier League is any better in Italy because it's not, but... They're it's, just two different styles. It's, yeah, it's different. that, And it's not like, oh, you can't learn how to be better at it. Because you saw with Conte in recent years that he could obviously just switch something, change up the way to play football, and it would work with the players that are already Premier League experienced. But you see, like, Serie A to England is not an easy transition. It's very seldom worked. Like, I can't. Who has... Like, yeah, I can't, a, I can't remember. You can make an argument for John Luke Vialli. You can make an argument for Rude Hollis. They were, was then that was the, the 90s. 90s. Since then, like, Jacarini at Sunderland. Yeah, and even then his best stuff was not Zap, at Sunderland. Zappa Costa. Zappa Costa. <laughs> he scored that one goal at Jefferson. Yeah, and he hit the post that one time. That's what I, remember. I don't even remember that. Yeah, he just took a really long range shot and it just bounced on the post. Like, oh, that almost went in. Um, so it, like, it is a, a difficult. Very, yeah, it's a tough transition. And managers too, like, unless you have that kind of experience in your side like Jorginho's done great but he's gone great because he's been completely protected by the best events midfielder in the league in Conte and experience all around him in that side but then you see teams figuring that out and it's like okay Sarri has a way of playing football like Ranieri who has a played Fulham just played Fulham the weekend Ranieri's second game in charge of Fulham I believe and Ranieri had a, like compared to the Fulham that were shelving four or five goals every single week Ranieri's brought them on leaps and bounds. He's still struggling with the kind of the core of players that are there. Yeah, and that will take a few weeks. I think. But if they conceded a goal after what three minutes, and he, and then we're well in the match right up until they conceded the second goal in the eighty second minute. Yeah, it was late on. Like that's bad news for Sarri against a team that was the worst in the league, the at worst home. performing at home. I know it's a derby; it has different connotations to it, but it's a relatively friendly derby. Like it's 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 not looking as I said earlier in the season. I thought Sarri had this long honeymoon period where things were kind of just working out for him. It still kind of is where teams aren't really punishing Chelsea the way they should be. Like they're they're getting good decent moves. Like the the attacking moves and the attacking motions that Sarri's clearly instilling these players. Okay, if I pass you the ball, you move this way. If you pass me the ball, I'll move this way. They're getting those type of very well rehearsed attacking moves going, which is what Pedro scored from against Fulham but away from that they still have those awful issues in defence we discussed in depth last week with the you know not that not to blame individual players but there's players in the defence of Chelsea that are not if not past it they are 
showing signs of their age in this system, which is a high line, compact defence, which, you know, as in compact isn't close to the midfield defence that's meant to bring the ball into play more. And if you don't have 100% concentration, high level of pace, stamina, energy to keep going over 90 minutes and be very good at football, you're going to be in trouble. And it only takes one of those to go missing for a moment. And you see like the, you know, um, all three, three Chelsea defenders last week against Spurs just completely did that, like complete lapse in concentration, had no pace, and then just were just bad at football. But the thing is as well, like we're talking about Chelsea as if they've lost one game and they'll continue to just keep losing. No, I don't. But, I don't yeah. but the thing is, like it, ha- it has been t- tough for Sarri because he's the kind of manager that you would expect would want seven days on the training ground. You know, yeah. he wants no breaks in between. And they've had Europa League matches. They've had to go off to Greece. They've had to go off to various places yeah. around Europe and play at home as well. Yeah. Like, it's just, it interrupts his flow. And that's why it was kind of easier for Conte because True. they weren't even in Europe True. at the time. So And Conte had an awful start, if you remember. Conte was losing. Yeah, they, they weren't quite... 3-0 to Arsenal. Yeah, they lost 3-0 to Arsenal, which is when he made the switch to yeah. back three. They lost at home the week before to Liverpool 2-0, yeah. I want to say. And then they went on the massive run. And even, even before those defeats, I think they were the first two defeats they'd had. They'd... they'd won games but they were ugly wins yeah. and they were like they it didn't look like Chelsea had much in them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they made this switch and every and you know, the rest is history. They won the league yeah. that year. But you can't be guaranteed, like you said, you can't be guaranteed of having the those breaks of seven day periods. Let's work on the team, let's work on shape, let's work on these offensive moves, let's work on better defensive concentration or whatever Sarri does on the training ground to get the best out of his teams. Like his his in fairness, his Napoli sides were never the most defensive co- defensively cohesive sides. Yeah, Koulibaly kind of well, bought, bought yeah, them out of uh, a lot, and you know they still conceded plenty of goals. Yeah, even Pepe. Every, some of Pepe Reina's best performances were at Napoli. Yeah, and they never were. They never were unbeatable. Like Napoli could always be beaten, even when they went on those long runs. They still would end up losing in Europe or lose. Always end up losing to Juventus or something like that. Like that. That was always a likelihood with Sarri teams the thing with going to Chelsea and being reached with Sarri is Chelsea don't give you that time you're talking about oh it would be better if he had those 7 days well if they don't qualify for Europe next year he's not going to get those 7 days between matches there's some other manager though. Yeah. well we'll see what happens with the Chelsea ownership situation but if things were to continue as before I don't see him there next season if they were to finish in 7th place I don't for a second believe they will I think. or even 5th yeah like I think it's still so early because Man City just kind of they're only Man City are only two points clear at the top of the league, but because it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that Man City are going to win the league, you feel that the league is a lot more advanced than it really is. But there's what twenty four odd matches left. There's what's that uh, seventy two points left on the table to <laughs> take. Plenty, plenty of points like, to be eaten up. Like Chelsea could easily finish second, third. Like I'm presuming Man City won the league, but they could easily tie things together. Make a few signings at Christmas. You, you, make a few changes. You get the feeling as well that you know, Real League is finished. The group stages are finishing yeah. up now. And obviously, it's a busy period at Christmas, but everyone is suffering from that yeah. instead of just the Europa League teams. But that's so, another concern with Chelsea. But if they get those, if they get the January to February run before the Europa League comes back, and yeah. when everything kind of settles back into a weekend-based yeah. period. You'd expect Chelsea to go on a good run there. I could see them stringing together five, six wins in a row, maybe drop two points here or there. You, you say that, but they still haven't played Man City yet. Well, that that's coming up in two weeks, I think. Three yeah, weeks. Or it's, it's next in, weekend, actually. Yeah, it's in, it? but it's in, like, I don't know. I think that if you thought the Spurs match knocked them for six, 
in terms of their confidence. But he, he, losing to Man City is no disgrace either. Like, no, as you just said, no, they're running Sarri away with the No, but has a league. habit of losing to... But, like if, like, if you look back last year, when Napoli did play Man City, the game, those games were close. And I'm not saying Chelsea will... And it completely sapped the confidence of Napoli after losing them. If you remember, they kind of depressed the results in and around those matches and took a lot out of them, if you remember. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they're going to do badly. I I still expect them to finish. Like, the lowest I can see Chelsea finishing this season probably will be... Well... Unless they had a complete collapse. Yeah, but I think think sixth to fourth is going to be tight. But I I don't even see who would finish above them in fifth. What do you mean? Oh, like Spurs? But Spurs, like it's five, look, look at it, it's a top five this yeah. year. Yeah. So I can't see them finishing below fifth. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, you're probably right that fifth, unless Man United turned something around immediately. Yeah, that would be, that would be like incredible, because yeah. it's just so it would be the greatest, unexpected. What are they, 20, no, they're not 24 points off, they're 15 points off. Yeah, 50 points off Man City and 13 points off last, or something like that. Yeah. Like something, relegation zone. Something ridiculous like that, there's, um, but... But even like we talk, I've kind of given Sarri the excuse of, oh, you know, they have the Europa League and it is, a, it is a fair complaint for him to have, but Unai Emery has that same issue as well. And yeah. His team is a lot more exciting to watch. Well, it's just the difference in, the difference in style of football. Like Unai Emery seems to have, well, we could go hark back to Louis van Halde's, but Emery has a way of adopting his certain players in this squad. You can see him alienating certain players in this team, which isn't good either. I think for long term harmony but he clearly has players he trusts and he's promoted those players and he's given them opportunities the likes of Bernano now the likes of Rob Holding the likes of Alexander Wobie the likes of Guendouzi uh, give me other players even like are, he's playing kids in the Europa League as yeah well. he is like that Smith Rowe player keeps playing excellently he's given Eddie Nketiah some starting games he's given players I've never heard of proper run like not not giving them 50 minutes in Europa like giving them the 90 and taking off experienced players to bring on other experienced players rather than bring off the kids. But then the converse of that is, like, he was af- asked after the match yesterday, like, oh, you know, what, what was the issue with Ozil? Because Ozil, but we were expecting him all to start yesterday, yeah. and all of a sudden he's just not even in the squad. And yeah. he said it was a back spasm or whatever, but which has happened with Ozil before, I want to yeah. say. But he was asked, oh, do you even know where Ozil is? And he was like, I don't know. Yeah, like it seems like he's alienating his whole that, midfield. There's a fracture in that relationship. Like, we've talked about Aaron Ramsey earlier the news is that it, you know uh, Ramsey was ready to sign a new contract and it was withdrawn by Arsenal so Arsenal are ready for him to go that's apparently what Ramsey is prepared to do but it he, seems he's so playing weird for he's, but his thing is he's going to play for the club until he's gone while Ozil may not feel that way Ozil was offered was given a bumper new contract last season but that's what makes it so weird Like it's just, that was before Emery took charge it, it's such a lack of vision or long term planning here and obviously it's hard to expect you know the board weren't expecting Wenger to step down, but they surely well, had some idea. I'd say they did have an idea. And they but, should have known who was going to come in afterwards before yeah. tying down Ozil. Like, obviously, Ozil is a huge asset that if you let go on a free, that's a bit of a blunder. But you still have Aaron Ramsey. Well, it's like... Because the two players are so similar that it's almost felt like one being at the club has kind of been detrimental to the other at times. Mostly Ozil detrimental to Ramsey, more so. Because, like, you can see it. Like, I remember last year there were plenty of times where they tried playing both and Ramsey a bit more withdrawn. And he'd just get lost. He'd absolutely have no spatial or 
yeah, spatial awareness of where yeah. he was supposed to be in the pitch. And you'd look at like goals they concede and be like, okay, where's Ramsey? And he's like further back than even Ozil is from yeah. play. No, they're I one I disagree that I think they're very different players. I'm not no, I'm not saying they're similar players, but you feel like you can't have both in the same yeah, perhaps side. They're, at times both can be passengers. Like at, almost the problem is they're too dissimilar. Yeah, that they're they're they ch- the way you have to play football to accommodate you can't play football to accommodate both players. Exactly, that's yeah, that's team. what I'm trying to say. And that's fair enough, and that's always been the issue with Ramsey. It has been the issue with Ozil of late that you can't if you want to play Emery's preferred kind of hard working high press football you can't really accommodate a player like Ozil in there unless he's playing centre forward which he's not going to play so it, it it is a strange one is there a plan at foot here like Ozil to go back to your early point I think Ozil was originally they had to re-sign him because they'd lost Sanchez there seemed to be this it would have just Sanchez. been bad PR yeah they lost Giroud it was more of a political exercise than anything but else but they've ended up causing the blunder of well maybe maybe now Emery feels he would prefer have Ramsey but he he knows he can't have both I think there is way back for Ramsey if the the decision was to keep him but I think I just can't see Ozil leaving I think the decision came from Emery I don't think the the manager would have sanctioned oh no get get rid of this player if he was going to sign a new contract if the idea was to sell him for profit they could have let him sign that contract that they, they, they had on the table but instead they withdrew it so they, the money clearly isn't the issue in this case. Like, in fairness to these players, like they're making enough money to actually put these players down as a loss if they had to. Both Ozil and Ramsey, they're it's horrible to say, but two clubs like Arsenal are in the position where they can just write off X dozens million pounds every year, and they will do it if they have to. I would Emery. Like Emery's been excited in recent weeks. Emery's oh this exciting manager. Like earlier in the season, he got a bit more criticism. They lost the first two games of the season, if you remember. And things were this isn't a rosy start for Emery. And he was playing Guendouzi, and he was still missing players from the World Cup. And the, you know Lacazette and Aubameyang weren't off to the best start. And then you had the talk about Ramsey and about Ozil and about different things that they sell the wrong player when they got rid of Jack Wilshere and kept Aaron Ramsey. And you know did they kept the wrong, rid of the wrong player and they kept Ozil and got rid of Sanchez. All that talk was earlier in the season, but now it's kind of dissipating. Like, oh, isn't isn't Emery great? Even though he can't, Arsenal have not been ahead this season half time. Like they were, they'd be was it eight? It would be nineteenth now. If the if it's a stupid stat, but if the table at half time scores was the table at the full time scores, Arsenal would be nineteenth in the Premier League right now. They've been behind or drawing in in every single one of their matches this season. But that shows resilience as well as it does. It shows, show it shows you getting things wrong at first and then fixing them. You can't do that forever. It catches up with you. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that point. But mm. on the other hand, it it one it just makes Arsenal's games exciting, which yeah, I, I'm all for, especially because yeah. of how like boring Arsenal have been the last and, few years, and especially how boring the league is at the top yeah. level, where you just see. Liverpool struggling to win. Man, Man City, City easily, easily winning. winning. We need a balance there, yeah. and Arsenal kind of ran out of balance. Yeah. And ever since the Liverpool match now, it is easier to kind of take them a bit more seriously yeah. because they were very good against Liverpool. I thought maybe they deserved to win that match, but, you know, they ended up getting a draw. Maybe it was a fair result. And now they've beaten Tottenham, you know. Before before they played Liverpool, it was all, you know, they've won a lot of, a lot of matches in a row, but, yeah. you know, who have they played? Yeah. Which I always think is a bit of a nonsense argument because, you know, yeah, you got to beat what's approaching. in front of it, as John Giles always said. So, uh, but the draw against Arsenal or against Liverpool was a very good result, very good performance. 
And against Tottenham again, they're very good performance. I thought they were. I thought they should have been disappointed to be so far to be losing at halftime because it was a bit of a sucker punch. You know, all of a sudden they're two one yeah. down after having yeah. not dominated but yeah. been the better team. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting now. Like obviously they play Man United on Wednesday and. Yeah. Like, they haven't won there in quite a while. It's been 2006 since the last league win there. So, yeah, and it'll be a big test for Emery just because, obviously, Man United aren't doing so well at the moment. But, like, it was Louis Van Hal's side were doing pretty terrible as well. And Arsenal were going for the league. Yeah. And they still lost it. That's the yeah. power that Old Trafford has kind of done to Arsenal over the last yeah, 12 years. You, you sometimes feel that there is some kind of hex over Arsenal and Old Trafford yeah. because of how bad, like, David Moyes' team winning... Yeah, Robin Van Percy and the winner. And it was like, what on earth? Phil Jones in midfield. Oh, Phil Jones body checking the ground. Like, that was glorious (laughs) stuff. Um, But you think that, but then I feel, I don't feel, like, this is what I'm trying to say is like, I don't think Emery's been that revolutionary. He's beaten what's in front of him, fair enough. He's adjusted the way he plays in ways that I have not thought have worked, but have turned up good results. Like, the move to three at the back, they tested against Bournemouth didn't work that well they got through it and then they enacted it again against Spurs and it worked far better but But I think I don't like going into the Man United match I don't think like Emery does have good results against Mourinho in the past when he played in La Liga they're always very competitive matches at Valencia or Sevilla or I think it was just Valencia when, when Mourinho was there but I don't like I don't see this is a kind of match like earlier in the season I was backing against Mourinho at every corner because I thought the team isn't playing for them they're lousy they're not creating any chances and then they go and they draw a match or they beat Juventus or they don't get absolutely hockeyed by teams just who are far better than them or they you know manage a nil all draw against Valencia like games I thought they would lose because they were playing so badly and they played badly in those matches but they didn't play terribly and they got through it like Lukaku pulling a goal out of nowhere like the the he scored the first goal of the at the Weekend. At the weekend against Southampton. And before, he pulled that goal out of nowhere, really. And before that, I thought, Southampton are going to cruise this match and might even get more goals. And then he dragged them back into that match from absolutely nothing. But for the fact they were playing Southampton, I mean, any other team had been 2 0 up. Well, Newcastle managed it. Well, <laughs> well, two teams that are both mentally fragile. Yeah, so. true, true. But, like, that's why I don't think necessarily Man United are spent for this match. I think Mourinho, it's gone back. Mourinho loves being in a corner and it's already. We're only how many weeks since the Juventus victory? Two or three weeks. And we're back not in, even. We're no, back yeah, three into weeks. This, oh, the United are bad. Yeah. Like what? What was the result last week? Uh, what was there? Did they? No, that was before the break. I was going to say they lost to Man City. They drew nil nil with Crystal Palace. Exactly. That's what it was. Yeah. So two completely forgettable. Draws. They, as everyone does, they have a busy, hectic Christmas period ahead. They don't have the worst schedule for Christmas. Yeah. For, you know, Mourinho would love to, like, you know, playing the small He'll find a way to complain about it. Oh, he will. He would throw... Who do you throw in the bus? Oh, Paul Pogba calling him a virus. Yeah. We even talk about Paul Pogba being called a virus and about Mourinho leaking quotes the same day as the result. He was... There was quotes in, in papers and on the internet by Saturday night from an evening kickoff, which means he... That was the first thing he did... <laughs> He hadn't called, even said it to the players yet. Possibly, who knows? It could have been. Pre- it was pre-prepared, but it could, have, you know, whenever it was sent out. But the information was out there already, and there was quotes very similar to stuff he said about Sergio Ramos, Iker Casillas, Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo in his Real Madrid days. 
And it's like you're not even varying things up. Like anyone, like I know he's playing to a very. He's playing the hits. But this is it's working for him. It's 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 false information. It's it's propaganda out there. It's what Donald Trump does. He's doing the same thing of pushing out this narrative that his players are bad, and if his market, the people he's appealing to, only hear his side of the argument, he's in the good and he's fine. And it's I don't have the players, even though Fred isn't even in the squad. I don't have uh, the players I have aren't playing well for me, even though without the, if Paul Pogba doesn't play a match, my United look even worse than they are. You know, I'm only playing with kids. Well, they're the best players in your team, like Marcus Rashford or Jesse Lingard or you know the the young the young homegrown talents. Oh, I don't have a centre forward. You spent seventy million on Lukaku, who digs your team out of it when he ever gets an opportunity to. And you have Sanchez as well there. Yeah, and then you still have you know, oh the 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 only the only centre half I have is Phil Jones, and like well, what about everyone else that is at the club? Yeah, I saw a thing earlier. It was like they could, they could be without eight defenders against Arsenal, and then there was a whole injury. It was seven of them were injured. Nashley yeah. is suspended, yeah. but I was reading them. I was like, are they actually injured? Like it's like it's at the kind of point moment where you can see. Obviously, Lindelof's injured because we saw him get injured. Yeah, but because we haven't He's actually seen the these year, players yeah. get injured, it's hard to even believe. Are these injured? Are these players injured, or is Mourinho saying they're injured and because he just doesn't want to play? Yeah, them? is he isolating them to me? Is he doing the whole Harry Redknapp thing of losing a few games before the transfer window opens so he gets more money? Yeah, because he used to do that. Oh, I've got nobody. I put on the kids. I've got nobody. Yeah, he used to not play a seventh sub or yeah. put two goalkeepers on the bench. Yeah, exactly. So, just, how long until we see Sergio Romero have a nice little friend on the bench there at Man United? But I wouldn't put it past him. Like, but you see, the players get more and more frustrated by this. And this has gone way away from our Unai Emery talk. Well, we, you know, we were going to preview the Arsenal-Man United match anyway, so we'll just do it now. Yeah, we're doing it now. To, to conclude on Unai Emery... I think he's done an okay job. I think it's similar to Sarri. It's par for the course thus far. He's won matches. He's lost matches. They've looked impressive. They've looked awful. Like, I think the last two games Arsenal played before the Spurs match, they weren't great. They weren't impressive. They didn't look very good. They didn't look very assured. I remember they were poor against Crystal Palace. Yeah, and they were poor in the Europa League, and they were poor against Bournemouth. You know, their consecutive matches they were playing. And now against Spurs is probably their best overall performance. Better than their Liverpool match, which is against another top side, where they were more controlled. Still conceded two goals. Still were behind at half-time. Still were making rookie mistakes, like the, the penalty. Like Even if it isn't a penalty, you can say you went down easy. You don't dive in in the box. It's just let it happen if it's going to happen. You're, caught, you're, you're putting yourself through undue stress. But that still has to be thought out of them. Emery has energised the Emirates... Faithful, the, the the Arsenal fans. They oh, the crowd older. is a lot better. They're singing a lot more. They're up a lot more. But that that's why, like you said, Emery hasn't been particularly revolutionary. Well, that, that, I don't think that's why he's been so good. It's because he's just a fresh yeah, new face of the club. It's been twenty two years since Arsene Wenger, not, and for the last five or six years, maybe yeah. maybe not quite that long. But it's just Wenger been should have gone out last it's Monday just been the same them. script for the last yeah. few years. Oh, they do well in September. They do poor in November. Yeah. They're out of the Champions League in February. Oh, they finished fourth. And yeah. oh, oh, this season they finished but, fifth. Yeah, but like, and I still think it'll go down. His history will look fondly on those, whatever twelve years of not winning the league but yeah. finishing in the top four. Like, I think it's still he pretty, did a good job for a few years there, but it was yeah. just those last three or four years. It just yeah, became it kind of, a cycle of everything happening again and again. Yeah. It was like this is just boring now. Yeah. 
And I think that Emery coming in and doing something different, you know, he's got the crowd going, as you say. Yeah. They're they're coming back in games when they weren't doing that at all under yeah. Wenger. Like they're actually yeah. like if as you as we mentioned earlier, two one against Tottenham last year, that probably finishes three one. Yeah. Maybe even four one. Yeah. Peter's out to nothing. Yeah, it's that's all gone now. It's a whole. Yeah. It, it feels like anything can actually happen at the Emirates now, yeah. as opposed to Asher. Ah, you know, we've seen it all before. So this man, this match has starts the match. Will will leave Emery. He's he's done well so far. I think the jury's still out on his overall impact. On yeah, it is still early days. But when it comes to Manchester United versus Arsenal, this is at Old Trafford. Yeah, most of Arsenal matches this season, like they're big matches. I think they played Man City at the Emirates. Yeah, they played Spurs at the Emirates. They played Liverpool at the Emirates. They've only gone to Stamford Bridge. Only gone to Stamford Bridge. Lost that. Yeah. Although they, you know, they played all right there. Could have won. They could have won if it wasn't for Arsenal just being Arsenal. Yeah. That, that was still the old Mustafi creeping in and stuff like that. But at Old Trafford, there is that bit of a hex. It's been a very long time since they've done it. Mourinho loves a game against Arsenal. He has historically. Now, this is a different Arsenal side with a lot of like people who aren't really in that whole Mourinho. Oh, Mourinho's going... Like, what happened last year? Was it a draw last year? Last year, Fellaini scored a late winner in a oh. frankly ridiculous match that neither team seemed like they wanted to play. Yeah. I don't even remember it. It was it was so forgetful. David Ospina jumped into the goal oh. and Paul Pogba hit into an empty net. <laughs> then McIntyre scored a long range shot out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a pretty boring match. Oh, Arsenal United! Yeah. I fully expect another boring match. I would give Manchester United the edge simply because every other time I backed against United this season, <laughs> they tend to just you're to reverse jinx them. No, but I just I think I I've learned from my mistakes and learned that. You can't really count against this Manchester United team when they're playing a big side because they seem to do something. Mourinho has some kind of plan to shut down the other team. Like I know they're missing, they're they're missing a few crucial players. Like who's going to replace Ashley Young? I imagine they'll have to play Diogo Dallo because wow. he's the only one, one that's of the left. Big, one of the how much did he cost? Nineteen twenty million. Yeah, I thought more of an initial down payment than Torreira costs. I think. Yeah. Um. Which you know, that, no, we're just. You can't really compare the two teams because it's like comparing, you know, I don't know, free range eggs versus, you know, some kind of battery chicken eggs. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird little dichotomy between the two clubs where they both, they're neither are afraid of spending money, but like, it's just what they spend the money on is just ridiculous. One far more frugal than the other. Yeah. It's like, the, not that it's better necessarily doing that either, but if you look at the, like, we're back in the stage of Manchester United where they're... How many years since Ferguson now? Uh, 2013, so five. Five full years since Ferguson left. And they're like, oh, United are in transition again. Oh, yeah. they need to, they've been, they've never been out of transition. But like, they've completely... Who's left? David De Gea. No, but they actually... That's the problem. They almost have too many no, players like, left from the Ferguson yeah, days. True, but who's Like, left? look at the back four. They were playing... The back five, even. They, they were recent... Not too long ago, they played a back five that was David De Gea in goals. Yeah. Antonio Valencia at right back. Uh, Chris Smalling in defence with Phil Jones. And then Ashley Young at left back. Yeah. All five of those were Ferguson. Yeah, but it's not even that they were five for Ferguson that's the problem there. It's that Ashley Young is a flying winger. Yeah, he's converted playing. to a fullback who's you know not really a fullback. Not really a fullback. He's not passed really a it as a player. player. Antonio Valencia, very solid pro. He's oh. definitely passed it as a player. Chris Smalling never has never made it at this Smaldini. level. And Phil Jones, who was also flattered to deceive at this level. David De Gea, who has been like maybe like it's probably again too early to call it on his you know career trajectory, but certainly two years ago 
probably the best keeper in the Premier League. Maybe three years ago, he was probably the best keeper in the Premier League. I he cannot even. I don't think you can even say that about him anymore. Yeah, he's not pulling off the freakish saves anymore. Yeah, he's just not being as consistent. Like I told you, I imagine he's just year. fed up of it. Well, last he last is. year he was still put like he had that no, performance was, against Arsenal last year. Do you remember Sevilla last year? He, do you remember against no, West Ham against, last year? He was the only reason they were even in the tie against Sevilla. Yeah, but he also threw the ball in twice. He didn't do it twice. Well, he was he was not. You he you was, you definitely overplay that Sevilla performance. He was uh, still really good against Sevilla. Yeah, but made uh, one or two really good one on one saves against Ben Yedder. That's, I can make two one or two pretty good. Ben one. Yedder was in good form. Sevilla uh, second in the league, like they were first last week. Well, yeah, they lost to Alaves, <laughs> who were fourth, so exactly. it wasn't that bad of a swings and roundabouts, you know. Um, yeah, I I just think they 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 have structural problems. They've thrown a lot of money at the wall. They've signed two man- two big name managers have have come and gone since David Moyes' appointment. Another big name, <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, where is it going for here for Manchester United? Like, I, I it's expect- nothingness. It's just an yeah. abyss. It is just an abyss because where money is being thrown into the abyss and it's remaining like an you, abyss. You you contrast this to Liverpool post Dalglish in nineteen ninety one. They just won the league. Comfortably, ninety-two, no, nineteen ninety. Yeah, he left in ninety-one, halfway through the season when Arsenal won the league. Uh, they still had a very good, promising youth system. Youth players coming through. C. McManaman had just broken in. There was other players coming through in the following years, like Robbie Fowler, and then you know Jamie Redknapp and the Spice Boys era. All those lads came through in the fall in the subsequent years. But they were like, okay, what do we do now? The boot room is empty mostly. I know him Roy Evans was still there and he eventually did get the job but the boot room was empty at that point we'll go to a former players the Ryan Giggs effect they got Graeme Souness didn't go well gave Graeme Souness a heart attack <laughs> as you're known to do and then what are you at then you're, you're mediocrity you're years and years despite having decent young players coming through the Spice Boys era you're like what are we doing as a club that was what Liverpool were saying in the mid 90s they tried different things, didn't work. Tried big name appointments from who had big ideas, who had won World Cups, likes of Jared Houllier coming in, and then you kind of then you're ten years since you won a league, then you're fifteen years since you won a league. Let's appoint another manager. Oh, big Rafa, we win a champ, we win a European trophy because you know it's easier to win a European trophy to sustain a, a league campaign, which they proved <laughs> categorically, and they're kind of just wandering, and it's taken almost. You know, Big Rafa got them to the Champions League, won the Champions League, got them to another final. Almost won the league. Almost won the league, but didn't. They stagnated, got worse. Brendan Rodgers fluked his way with some great attacking players to nearly winning the league, collapsed again. Klopp is not going to win the league, maybe not even in his Liverpool tenure, unless something dramatic changes at the top of the league. And you're like, what's going on? And then Manchester United, you're looking at it, it's like, okay, it's like they're doing what Liverpool did, but in a accelerated form <laughs> yeah, they won the European trophy they've they've tried big name managers they've tried contrasting styles they've tried the homegrown aspect none of it has worked they win the odd cup competition they spent fortune in players they have all these young players coming through that are almost wasted nowhere near winning the league and they're just stagnating and for it's it's happened in accelerated fashion and it's you can say it's sad to say, but at the same time, they had such dominance for such a long time that no one really cares. Oh, it's Manchester United. 
It is, yeah, they are kind of the laughing stock of the well, league at the moment. Because, dislike them. Yeah, that, that, that's, you know, ABUs are a yeah. thing, you know, yeah, anyone absolutely. but United. And that's... Absolutely, if you if you lived through that period, and it was the same for Liverpool beforehand, which is why us has accelerated even further, and it might happen again. Maybe it is just a, a sign that cycles happen in every aspect of life, and Manchester United are just going through one the same way they went through those 26 odd years that they didn't win the league between the 60s and 92. Yeah, it's going to... I, I, you said you're gonna go with my United in this match because you you've learned your lesson, but yeah. But I also think Mourinho is gonna put out a plan. Emery has got lucky against Spurs that things didn't go wrong, and Mourinho is gonna be savoring this. I think the Arsenal players will be a lot more tired than the Manchester United players. Maybe also be back, and maybe that was you know this ace that uh, Emery was ready to pull specifically for this match, and it was all a ruse. I fear that it's not. I, I, see, was, I think Lacazette was rested for the Man United match as well for some of the reasons. But that's why instead of uh, rethinking my strategy, I'm going to double down on uh, my predictions of Man United losing all the time. I'm going to go 4 0 Arsenal. It's going to blow away Mourinho's the Hex. It's going to be gone. It's going to be Hex is gone. Arsenal are now, they, you know, the chat fans are singing, can we play Man United every week? You're getting sacked in the morning. Bringing out the hits. 4 0 Arsenal. If it's a 4 0 defeat, then there will be serious questions come the weekend about Mourinho's lasting through Christmas. That's yeah. all I have to say about that. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, I, they play week, Liverpool soon. I think that could be... Valencia next week. Well, that Valencia match doesn't mean anything. It still can be a, a humiliation. <laughs> They're true, so it doesn't yeah, matter. It can be a humiliation. Yeah, but Mourinho could play a second-string squad, get humiliated, and go on oh, paying the kids. You know, that's a I've free hit. Nobody. I've got nobody. Yeah, it's a free hit Respect. for Mourinho. Respect. Yeah, the three... What three fingers can he show Valencia? <laughs> what three can he show to Arsenal as he's... He's won the three league titles, or has he won three cup finals against them, or something no, or other? He's won one. Three community final. shields. Has he got three community shield victories over Arsenal? I don't think he does. No, I, I remember. I remember him losing. Yeah, that was yeah. like the first time he beat him. I was like, but ah, he won I won the community shield. Final when it was the kids when John Terry got kicked through the head. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that Mourinho? <laughs> yeah, that was Mourinho. Uh, oh, Jabby's finest moment. Was it a man? Was it him or was it Manuel Bue? Oh, maybe it was Emmanuel Bue. I always remember it was Bue, but I could just be mixing up the two. Yeah. Either way, John Terry got knocked out. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's the important That's thing. the important memory from that occasion. So, yeah, I'm going to double down on a 4-0. Obviously, we were going to do a bit of a Premier League preview. Man but... City are going to beat Watford. Yeah, let's just, just... That's on Tuesday. That's the Liverpool only Tuesday. are probably going to struggle to a victory. Burnley keep conceding goals. Joe Hart's there. You know, that's just what it's going to be. Uh, Wolves against Chelsea you know it'll be a tight match 1-0 maybe yeah, Chelsea yeah it'll be a tight match it'll suit Wolves because they're playing a better team again so maybe Wolves will bounce back from their recent yeah, may, form I, I can't see there being more than two goals and, in this you know, match they, they'll do what every other small, like they'll do what West Ham did against if, if, he, if instead of watching the disaster class that is Manchester United it's he, just going to be a if, nil all draw no, victory instead Lukaku of, on the break if you're if you, if you want to watch a nice tactical battle watch, watch, watch Wolves Chelsea if you want to watch a Copy hodgepodge of people running around like headless chickens. You might see a 4 0 victory for some team. You might see a completely boring 0 draw. draw. Watch my United Rashford, maybe. Corner kick. No, it's not going to be a corner kick. If it's a corner kick and Matic or Lukaku score, I'm psychic. Yeah, it's not going to be a corner, I can tell you that much. My United are terrible on set pieces. You will see. I have this premonition. <laughs> if it's a premonition, then you're def- it's definitely yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tottenham Southampton, you know, easy match for Southampton, or Tottenham in theory, considering Southampton are managerless. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect there will, there will be a 2 0 victory for Spurs that match. Yeah, and uh, of course, these matches are midweek, so, you know, if you weren't aware of that, you know, make sure to set a timer or whatever. To- it's only Watford's. 
Man City on Tuesday. Yeah, and a couple other minor matches yeah. that are and relegation. If you want to watch the relegation battle, watch Tuesday. It's only... It's only early November. Yeah, it's only, it's only December. Just yeah. take the day off from football. Yeah. Um, there's matches midweek or weekend as well. Uh, we'll cover them once they happen next yeah. Monday. Yeah, yeah. And, Man City will um, win. Against Chelsea? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. go over that. I'll put, I'll, put my, my, uh, I'll put my leg on the line. Yeah, okay. So we'll come back next week and find out whether Andrew will be legless or not. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for being here, Andrew. Thank you for having me, Jack. And uh, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. You can also follow us on social media at the TF Pod on Twitter and Total Football Pod on Instagram. You can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. The more the merrier. That's what we always say. <laughs>